Thank you so much for being here. My name is Pastor Ruben Marlow, uh, pastor here at uh, Living Hope Church. I'm pretty sure I'm recognizing most everyone's face today. Um, Dave, I remember your name now that you've told it to me this morning, but you know we're working on it, so thank you so much for being here. Uh, if you're here and you're a visitor and I haven't met you, I'd love to meet you. Also, there's a card in front of you uh, that if you could fill that out, uh, uh, that just gives a record of your visit so that I can reach out to you and maybe get to know you if I haven't gotten to meet you yet. Uh, if you fill that card out, if you're a visitor, and place it, there's a box in the, the back table there. It's our offering box. Uh, our offerings are for our our local church here where we're trying to support the work that God is doing to grow his kingdom. And so if you're, if you're a visitor, we just welcome you to fill out that card and drop that off for us uh, in the back. All right, so today we're going to be in the book of Colossians. <coughs> so we, I, I like being informal. I have yet to have anyone here in all my informality tell me you should really be more formal. So I'm just going to keep being informal until someone starts telling me, well, that's not right. Um, and then we'll have to figure it out. But um, uh, I, I love the fact that I can completely mess up the line, uh, which line of the song we're singing. And, and it's just fine. We're just all, we're going to stop. We're going to move on. And it'll be good. So uh, I love our informality. Um, and I love the fact that, and, and I'm I'll be honest with you, I didn't do that on purpose. Like, I don't like making mistakes. Uh, and the truth is I make mistakes like 400 times. And like, if you guys pointed them all out, we'd be here for a while. But, um, you know, I don't enjoy making mistakes. But, like, uh, I, I enjoy the fact that we're family, right? I enjoy, I enjoy the fact that we get to come together and, and just talk about what's going on. And, and that's really my heart today. You know, there's a part of me, you know, if I can be – so – this, this last week, I went to uh, some meetings in Casper for uh, churches within the state of Wyoming. Um, and so I got to see a bunch of friends of mine and spend time with people. And, and with one of my friends, I was talking about, you know, you know what I'm teaching on and, and what my plan is moving forward. And, and I just want to share with you guys, like, I, I love teaching God's word. Um, and the way I'm doing it right now is really hard for me. It's really hard for me to pick a, a sermon on a topic and just teach on that. And that's what we've been doing, you know, kind of uh, the mission statement for Living Hope Church is uh, serve, share, strength, and sin. And I've been just trying to take the, the topics of each of those words and try to give some idea of, like, hopefully who we are as a church. And maybe we can unite around that and, and decide how we're going to move into the future with an understanding of what God's called us to be. Um, but picking one of those and, and teaching on it, like, it's hard for me. And, and so uh, what, what I enjoy doing is, is preaching through a book of the Bible. And so we're going to be doing that here soon. Um, but right now we're still, uh, we've, we're, we're talking about today uh, the, the word strengthen. Uh, and, and I'll just be honest, like, I want today to be a conversation. The, the passage that Emily read for us is, is a huge passage. And, and once again, because I like going through a book rather than jumping in the middle of a passage, right? Like, I want to go start at chapter number three, verse number one, and, and we're going to read it because I think it sets the context for what we want to talk about. But 
But like even just the, the, the handful of verses that Emily read for us, uh, verses uh, 12 through 17, these five verses, like there's so much in these verses. And the truth is, is like we could probably, uh, you know, I don't want to exaggerate, but we probably could have like a whole semester in a seminary class just studying these verses because there's so many words, there's so many topics that th- this passage hits on and how does that work out? And, and the truth is, is like, I don't want to sit here and just give some lecture on what the, all these words mean, and then we go home and it means nothing. That's not my desire. Um, I think it's good. I think it's important. And I think there's a time and place for us to increase in our knowledge about things we didn't know about, right? And so there's a time to get into the depth of what all these mean. And, but today, I just want us to have like this conversation about the big picture of what he's talking about. <coughs> I'll work that thing out of there sometime. I don't know. <coughs> I'm, I'm sorry. So I want us to, before we really jump into verse number 12, I want us to look at verse number 1. Uh, it says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And so, again, the, Paul has been writing this letter. There's two whole chapters he's been writing that's lay, led up to this point. And he says, if then we have been raised with Christ. And this is the starting point for where I want us to have to like focus on what we're going to talk about today. Is I want to talk to us as Living Hope Church. Now, I think last week I talked about this, like church, like that's, like it's just a fancy word for us to talk about a gathering, right? It's an assembly, it's a gathering of people. And Paul is writing, and he, and he gives all this context that we're not looking at today, but, but I want us to have this understanding that Paul is writing to those of us who have get, been given new life by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our God. He is the creator of everything. John tells us that in the beginning it was Jesus, and without Jesus there is no beginning, right? So Jesus is our God, our creator, and he is also the one that Philippians tells us humbled himself and he came down to earth. And and we're getting ready here before too long to celebrate his incarnation, the fact that God came in the flesh. And, And Christmas is this great celebration about how God, the God of all creation, comes down into his own creation and and he becomes Emmanuel he becomes God with us well there's all my Christmas sermons there you go but you know like that we're, we're getting ready to celebrate that because Jesus our God he comes down and he does the unthinkable he lives a perfect life because he is perfection he's holy he lives a perfect life and then he takes our place he he becomes the substitute lamb, the sacrificial lamb that pays the penalty of our sins. And he is God, so he doesn't stay dead. He raises from the dead. And the argument that Paul is having is for those of us who follow Jesus, not just the idea of a God, right? I, I believe everyone, I'm not, sh- you know, I think even atheists are really agno- agnostic at heart, right? Like we recognize there's a God, so there's some some higher power, but it's not just enough to know there's a God. We know who God is because Jesus himself steps down and he 
He becomes God with us. And we know our God because we know Jesus. And if we follow Jesus, what Jesus has offered us is life. And we can be assured of this life because he's raised us from the dead. He has power over death, right? First Corinthians, right? Paul tells us, where, grave, where's your sting? Death, where, grave, where's thy power? Death, where's thy sting? I should go memorize that again because apparently I don't have it that well. But like, the, the, death has no hold over us. That's what we just sang about, right? Because God has raised from the dead. And if we follow Jesus, those of us who have followed Jesus, those of us who know he is our God, those of us that have recognized him and followed him and, and, and confessed our sins, and we're not trusting in ourselves, but we're trusting in the sacrificial lamb, then we, we have been raised with Christ. So then if we have this new life, Paul's arguing what do we do with it? If then, right, that's what he's saying. If then you were raised with Christ, what do we do? Anyone have ideas? I wanted this to be a conversation, and then I'm talking a lot, right? Like, like Paul has ideas, and Paul, like, thankfully, God doesn't leave us alone. God doesn't leave us to our own devices. God gives us this new life and then walks with us through it. But this life is entirely dependent on following Jesus. This is how we got it. This is how he provides. It is life with Jesus, following him. So then I want us, as a, as a gathered group of followers of Jesus Christ, otherwise known as a church, I want us as a church to look at this passage and ask, okay, so if God has given us new life, what are we doing with it? There's some, there's some, there, and, and again, I don't, I'm not taking the time to walk through this every single step of the way, but there's some big things we need to look at. And, the, and like he sums it up with this, he says, seek those things which are above. If then we have this new life that comes only from Jesus, we need to seek those things that are from above. See, God did not just save us that we have life now. God has saved us that we have life forever. He said, do not lay up treasures here on earth where moth and rust destroy and corrupt. But lay up a treasure in heaven where there is no rust. There is no moths destroying things. There is no death. I mean, Revelation gives a beautiful picture. No more weeping. No more sorrow. That's, that's what we're, like, we today have life with Jesus. And we today are hoping for life with Jesus for all of eternity. And that's where we should be. Like, that, that should be our focus. That should be what we're seeking after. And so, if God has given us, I know I'm saying if a lot, but if God has given us this new life, we should live for this new life. We're not waiting. We are today living. And how are we doing that? He gives us, we're, uh, again, I'm trying to specify, so I'm not going to read the verses, but he talks about putting off. And then where we start, he talks about putting on. This is a concept that Paul uses multiple different times. There's, uh, I was doing a study on it, and then I got busy. But there, there's, there's an amazing 
like this concept of put off and put on is all throughout the New Testament. And and I try to I try to understand like last week if you were here we talked about like um, we're all members of one body and sometimes Paul sometimes Paul gives us like really good illustrations to understand, okay? So the the idea of this is to put off, to take something off and then to put something on, right? I meant to bring my hoodie in here so I could put it on and put it off, right? You could see, but like, I think you all know how to get dressed. Yep, looks like you all know how to get dressed, right? Like, we put on, we put off, right? And it's this really simple concept that maybe sometimes, like, is it that easy? Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not, right? But what I want, want us to focus on a little bit is this decision. It's a decision to put off, and it's a decision to put on. And it's not something we can do by ourselves. Has anyone ever read The Pilgrim's Progress? Right? Like, there, it, it, John Bunyan has this great allegorical story uh, of, of this pilgrim, and he's got this giant burden that he's carrying around. And he can't just put it off himself. Right? Like, it's not something he can just put off himself. And, and really, in, in the book of Romans, when Paul talks about this, like this is how I've always pictured it, right? When Paul talks about uh, putting on and putting off in, in the book of Romans, he says it's an old flesh. Flesh, we're talking about an old body. So Paul's literally saying, we have an old man, an old flesh, and we have a new man, a new flesh. And he says literally what it means is like this life we have in Christ it's like this old dead body that we're just carrying around with us, right? It's rotting, it's decaying, it's disgusting, right? We have this old flesh, this old carcass that we're carrying around, and it is a burden, and it's, it's hard. And the truth is, is on our own, we can't get rid of it because, like, it's also part of us. Like that old flesh, that old man, it is, it is me. It is my my inclinations, it is my intentions, it's, it's what I naturally want to do, right? The, the, the scripture says that the heart, it's deceitful and it's desperately wicked. And even when I try to do good things, it's just filthy rags. Like, what I want to do, even if it's a good thing, usually it's just for selfish reasons. And so there's this, there's this inclination inside of us. To do evil, to do things that are against what God has called us and created us to be. And especially for those of us who have received new life from Jesus, we still have this old man, this old flesh, this dead, rotting carcass that we're carrying around. And we need to put it off. It is not my job to tell you that it's because of your circumstances or your past or when we choose to do things against what God has created us for, that's your decision. You're, you're choosing to keep hold onto this, this dead carcass. Instead, what we do is we come to the cross and we kneel before the cross and Jesus takes our burden. Jesus died in our place. He forgives us. He restores us. He gives us a new flesh. He gives us new life. 
And it's this long process. Like we look around, we recognize, yeah, I still have an old flesh. I still have these desires to do things that are against what God has called me to do. And it is not okay. And, and, and my focus today is not meant to be on the putting off. We do need to focus on that in our lives. We need to recognize when this is not what God has created me for. This is not what God has commanded. This is not the heart of God. We need to put that off. And we don't do it alone. We do it because of the power of Jesus Christ and what he did. But we have to come to the cross. We have to confess. And then John tells us that he is faithful and just, that he will forgive. He will restore. And Paul in Romans says he will renew us and transform us. So this, this putting off, we want to get the picture of just taking, taking our shirt off. It's, it's not always that easy. It's actually like a dead carcass we're carrying around. But we come to the foot of the cross and we lay it down at his feet and we confess to him that this is not his way. And then what? Then we put on. We put on. We're, we're here because uh, the, the word strengthen, and, and, and I'll probably talk about this a little bit more in just a second. Um, but we're here because this idea of we come here together so that we can encourage and help each other to know what to put on. To, to point to what we should be putting on. And here's what... I, I think if you have your notes, I, I put here, uh, like, the word I'm going to use, and I recognize this word is not in this passage, but this word that I want to use is godliness. And so I, I quickly want us to think about wh what are we putting on? Well, well, I'm going to sum it up with this one word, godliness, okay? Now, everything Emily read, and honestly, the book, the, the, the book of Colossians keeps going, right? Um, so everything it's talking about, like, like, it's going to get more detailed, and we could spend a lot of time focusing on each individual thing. And really, this is our Christian life to do this, to say what we need to put this on, off, and we need to put this on. But I, I want us to sum up what putting this all on is, and I, I put it with this word godliness. And I, I put a definition... I, I don't think I put the definition Tyson up there on there yet, but if, if you have the, the piece of paper or if you want to write it down, it's, uh, I said, godliness is a life that imitates the character of God. Godliness is a life that imitates the character of God. It's fancy. It's a real fancy way to say we look like God. What are we putting on? Well, we're putting on Jesus Christ. What are we putting on? Well, we, we're, we're following him, and if he did it that way, I'm going to imitate that. Um, there's some kids here, and a lot, of, a lot of us have kids, right? How many of you enjoyed the repeating phase, like where they just repeat everything you say? Like, anyone enjoy that? Oh, put my hand up. Okay, so sometimes when, uh, I, I, you know, today I'm using these words, I'm using godliness, but I'm also going to use a lot, imitate. And sometimes when I use this word imitate, like, I just, I think of my kids imitating, to, of repeating, and it's almost an annoying thing. And that's not what I'm trying to get after, right? 
No, instead, what I want us to get after is uh, when that, that, that pride and that joy you have when you watch your kid imitate you in the good ways, right? When they actually um, share with their siblings. Does that ever happen? I mean, it's pretty rare, but it does happen, right? It, it's, it's when they have a desire to do good it's when they, you, you work so hard to train and to teach, and I don't want to sit here like, you know, I want to guard my family and not use them as a public spectacle all the time. But if I can use a slight public spectacle without being, like, too harsh, like, there's things that, like, my son Benny, like, I want him to learn, and, and I desire him. He needs to learn to be a proper, good member of society. Like, there's certain things he has to learn, and, and I'm working with him hard. You need to learn this. You need to learn this. And it's just, sometimes it's like fighting tooth and nail. You need to learn this, right? But the amount of joy I had when at a completely different time, in a completely different context, in a completely different conversation, he tells me he wants to learn it. When, when he has the desire to imitate, to grow, to become like dad, you know, that, that, that's exciting. And this is what we should think of when we think about godliness. Listen, if it weren't for Jesus showing me how to live, I wouldn't know how to live. And, and we use words like becoming like Jesus, right? We want to become like Christ. We want to we wanna follow in his footsteps. And, and, and sometimes, like, we have to be careful because there's things out there, there's teachings out there that we will become our own God just like Jesus. And, and that's not us. That is not what I teach. That is not, I believe, I'm convinced. That's not what all of Scripture teaches. Jesus was from the beginning. God is from the beginning. I am not. Right? As I read scripture, I recognize again and again, he is God, I am not, nor will I ever be. But his perfection, his light, he has revealed to me what is good. And because he's revealed to me what is good, I want to follow that. I want to follow in his likeness. I want to become like him. I want to love like him. I want to speak like him. I want to act like him. I want to be well, godly, that's what it is. Like godliness is just being like Jesus. How many of you have ever heard or, or seen the bracelets or WWJD? Well, what would Jesus do? I mean, like we're asking what would be godly in this situation? What would God do? And we know some things that God did, right? Like we can be here and we can just, yeah, well, Jesus loved and Jesus sacrificed. And we're just trying to be like Jesus. Godliness. What are we putting on? Well, we're going to put on the things that Jesus said and did. That's what seeking the things that are above are, is he's revealed to us what is good. And we want to do that. We want to be that. We want to follow that. We want to follow our God. It's godliness. Big word. Godliness is imitating the character of God. So as we look at this passage, here's the truth. This passage, I mean, it's kind of a list. And uh, we could go through and bullet point everything and, and do a work study on each of these. But I, I want to sum things up. And I want to I sum 
what it means to put on godliness into two things. And that's first of all, imitating, imitate Jesus in your actions. Imitate Jesus in your actions. <laughs> so if we read right there in verse 12, it says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Some... The... Listen, these are things that we do. Like sometimes we can look at these and be like, oh, well, this is like a feeling, right? Like, I mean, this is like the fruit of the Spirit, right, from Galatians. Like these are like character qualities, and yeah, they are character qualities. But all of these character qualities involve action. And the truth is, what Paul is saying, if God has given us new life, our new life involves these qualities, involves these characteristics, involves these actions. If I was to ask your family, are they kind? Are they humble? Long-suffering, or, or some translations will say patient. Are they patient? Depends on what it's for, right? Depends on how long we have to suffer and be patient, right? If your family, if I asked your family, are they godly? Do they show the characteristics of God in their life? Do they have the fruit of the Spirit in their life? Is there anything in your life that shows that? What actions in your life are showing that you are merciful? That you are kind and gentle? I'd hate to ask your coworkers. I wouldn't hate to ask. I love you guys. You guys are awesome, right? You guys are always perfect at work. Yeah? You guys are just like Jesus at work? I mean, that's the, uh, it, it says this at one point, forgiving one another even as Christ forgave you, right? And one translation says, just as Christ has forgiven you. Are the, is the character of God coming forth in your life, in the things that you do? Do you love like Jesus loved? Godliness is imitating God in your actions. But there's more to it as well. It's imitating God in your attitudes. I want to focus for just a second on, on um, verse number 14. But above all these, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. There's three attitudes that I think mark godliness. Like everything we do, I think, comes out of these attitudes. And I'll be honest, sometimes those attitudes aren't right, and we still have to do the action right. Because we're following Jesus, and that's what he's called us to do. And as we keep seeking after him, he works in our hearts, okay? But these attitudes come from our heart. And what I want us to recognize is these three things. And it's first of all, it's love. We 
We have to love like Jesus loved. One of my deepest prayers, one of my most constant prayers is that I would love people the way that Jesus loves them. That I would see and care about people the way that he does. And, and as long as we're talking about the character of our God, remember this is the God who left, like he's the God of all creation who stepped down into his creation. He is the perfect one who died the sinner's death. He's the one who became accursed for me. So, love like Jesus loved is a very high calling. And this is the attitude we need to have. And listen, he's talking about it. We've all been called into one body. This is what we talked about last week. We're all members of one body. We're all following Jesus. And Jesus has specially gifted and equipped each of us to be able to work together for his good and for the good of his kingdom. And so God has called us together in one body. And the thing that... The bond of perfection, the thing that unifies us, that, that brings us together, it is the love of our God. And we need to put that on. It needs to be a conscious decision on our part to lay down our selfishness and to let the love of God reign in our hearts. It's the love of God and it's the peace of God. It's not the peace of our situation. It's not the peace of our circumstances. It's not the peace of, uh, you know, the, the busyness. And it's the peace of God. It's the recognition. How do we seek those things that are above? Well, first of all, we have the, the God of all creation in our lives. Peace with God means our relationship with him has been restored, that we have life with him. How can I have any kind of emotional peace in the world around us, it's because God is with me. We need, to, we need to put off the things that distract us from the presence of God. And we need to stand in the presence of God all day. We come, the Hebrews talks about coming before the throne of grace. And it's not some like fake throne room up in heaven, right? Like it is... Uh, um, uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians, he says, don't you know that your body is the temple of God? God is with us. And so we have to put down, put down, put off the things that distract us from being at peace with God. What is godliness? It's how did Jesus have this attitude? Well, let's, let's just think about that. how many times did the crowds want to kill Jesus? How many times did the, the, the Pharisees and the scribes try to trick Jesus? And what was Jesus' response all the time? I am not here to do whatever I want. I'm here to do what God wants. There's confidence and boldness when we know that we have God with us. So we need to put aside anything that keeps us from the presence of God. We need to have the love of God. We need to have the peace of God. And then the third thing that I think marks uh, what it means to imitate God, that marks Christian godliness, is thankfulness. I probably should have saved this sermon for next week. I don't know. You know, Thanksgiving's coming up. You know, maybe we should be thankful. You know, I think, I think it's a good, good thing that we have a time in our year where we actually stop and we're like, hey, maybe we should be thankful. 
And, you know, I'm a little sad, and we don't even let it finish before Black Friday starts. You know, it's actually Thursday night. It starts nowadays, you know. Like, you know, but we were thankful. We had our turkey, and now let's get back to our consumerism, right? You know, like there's this, no. It's not just a, like, I'm thankful our society recognizes how important it is. But this is the lifestyle. This is the everyday walk of the Christian that we're thankful that we recognize that what I have is not deserved. It was Jesus. He took my place on the cross. He paid my penalty. Everything I have, every moment, every breath, every word, every action, every circumstance is from the grace of God. It is God himself who has extended his love. And it is God himself who is walking with us through all of it. And if God loves us enough to be with us through everything that we go through, how can we not be thankful? And Christianity, for all of history, has done this in extremely, like, extremely radical ways. It's, it's in the lives of Corey Ten Boom, who the, the Nazis put in a death camp. Corey Ten Boom watched her sister die in that death camp. And that's the same woman that years after being freed, opened up the same home she was hiding Jews in to her, to her gardens. And she accepted them and forgave them. She's thankful for what God had done. Christianity for, for all of history has been thankful in the worst of circumstances. And it's important that we have the heart of our God that as he was dying on the cross, was looking down and telling John to take care of his mom. It was the heart of our God who as he was on the cross looked down and he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. This is the heart that we need to have. This is godliness. We need to love like he loved. We need to have the peace of God. That we need to have him, his presence in our lives. And we need to be thankful. It's required that we be thankful. It's reiterated in this passage. So, as we think about this, godliness, it's, it's to imitate the character of God, and we need to do this in our attitudes, and we need to do this in our actions. And if we actually do this, then I, I'm convinced it will change, imitating Jesus will change your relationships. And, I mean, this is, this is like the key of, of why I wanted to talk about this today. Because we in the church, the way we treat each other in this one body that he's talking about, we need to treat each other just as Jesus treats us. And, and let's, be, let's be clear, he gives some very specific things for us to do, right? He says, um, let's, let's look, verse number 13. He talks about these, you know, in 12, he says, mercy and kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. And then verse 13, he says, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Bearing with one another. 
I'm going to try to be careful and not point at anyone and say, you got to bear with that person. I'm just going to point at me. You guys have to put up with me, right? Like, let's be honest. Like, I, you know, I'm learning too. Like, we're, we're in this idea of like, hey, we want to seek those things that are above, but we recognize we're all carrying around dead bodies with each other. Like, we're all in this room, and we're all carrying on our shoulders this old man, this old flesh. And we're not going to be perfect in this. I'm going to say things that are mean and hurtful. And that's not okay. But we, working together, instead of being offended, says, if anyone has a complaint, what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do when someone offends you? Forgive them. It's, I, recognized, I, I recognized a few years ago, there was this crazy situation that was going on. And, and there was like talks about how to mediate it. And there's talks about, well, what is the truth? We need to get down to the truth of what happened. And, and like there's all this like investigation and we're going to have this meeting and you need to be here so that we can talk to this and and we get caught up in all this stuff and i had this right uh, like i was raking leaves like uh, uh, you know god speaks and leads us in, in amazing times usually it's in the shower and when i'm raking or doing hard physical labor like that's when god talks to me the most right you know but like i remember raking leaves and i just felt like you know like what this situation needed more than knowing what happened more than the meetings, more than all this, is each party needed to look at the other party and say, no matter what happened, I forgive you. Listen, there's no godliness if we can't do that. There's no restoration, there's no transformation, there's no change. It does not matter what someone has done to you, it is not as atrocious as what we have done to Christ. And Christ has forgiven us. And Christ is explicit. Go, go read around the, the Lord's Prayer. He, he, says, he says, it's before or after, I think it depends on if you're in Matthew or Luke, but he says, if you won't forgive, I won't forgive. Listen, Christ has forgiven us. How dare we think we, can, we have the right to not forgive someone else? How do we as a church strengthen each other? How do we encourage each other? How do we, how do we come together and uh, assemble together to accomplish the purpose of growing God's kingdom? Well, we have to recognize we're all carrying around this old man, and we're going to have to be willing to forgive each other. We're going to have to put up with our failures and our offenses, and we're going to have to forgive just like Jesus forgave us. So there's, there's these two things, to bear with one another, to forgive one another. And then in verse number, um, let me find it real quick. Verse number 16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Excuse me. We need to bear with one another. We need to forgive one another. And then we need to teach and we need to admonish one another. We need to teach and admonish each other. Because the truth is, is I can forgive you for your offense. 
But you just have to recognize that's the old man. That's the old man. That is not godliness. That's not the character of our God. That's not what we're following. That's not what we want to be. And how do we learn this? It specifically says, let the word of Christ, let the words of Jesus be what we use to teach and what we use to admonish. God forbid I run around telling you, you offended me and you have to do what I think. No. We go and we say, I forgive you for what you said. But here's what Jesus has called us to do. It's not my opinion. Listen, if you disagree with my opinion, I might get worked up. You know, like you'll have to put up with me, right? And I'll put up with you. Listen, I, you know, we're, I, I think we're, we've come in a day and age with like football and sports, right? Like we, we have bitter rivalries that we go hang out with afterwards, right? Like, like we recognize we can have disagreements on things and still, you know, have some like community. But what we're going to teach each other what we're going to admonish each other, what we're going to, you know, uh, talks, uh, you know, Proverbs just talks about iron sharpens iron, what we're going to chip away at, what we're going to literally, like, maybe even, un, you know, in the uncomfortableness of talking about how you live your life, we're going to exhort you, we're going to encourage you, we're going to admonish you, we're going to speak to you, we're going to speak truth. And truth is Jesus Christ. The things that he said, the things that he did. And that's hard, but this is what we're called to. This is why we're here. We're to put off the old man, and we're to put on godliness, and to imitate our God. This is going to change our relationships, but ultimately, this should change our focus. If, if we actually did what Paul's telling us in verse number one, to seek those things that are above, then it doesn't matter what we're struggling with putting off. It doesn't matter which, uh, which thing we struggle with putting on. It's not going to matter if we're in the context of the church building or in the context of our home or in the context of where we work or in the context of our school. It, it, it does not matter our context. It does not matter what we, we say or what we do. The only thing that matters is to seek first Jesus Christ. Verse number 17, he says this. Um, Whatever you do, whether it's in word or in action, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Listen, every moment of every day, and I mean it literally, I would tell this to, to, to teenagers, and they'd be like, Ooh, even in the shower? Yeah, even in the shower. Yes, absolutely. God is, he's very pleased when teenagers shower and use deodorant, right? Like this is a good thing. And, and I said it earlier, I can't tell you how many times it's been in the shower where like, it's like God speaks to me and I'm like, oh, that's, you know, you've been puzzling and meditating and like questioning and then you're just like, you're, you're in this alone, vulnerable state and it's just you and God and it's just like, okay, now I understand. There is nothing in your life that should be apart from the way that God would have you do it. Nothing. Whatever you do. Whatever you say, whatever your attitude, whatever pity party you throw yourself. Whatever you do. 
for Jesus. What are we putting on? The question for you today is what are you putting on? What are you consciously choosing to wear? Is it the selfishness? Is it, the, is it your pride? Is it your ego? Is it what's easy? Or is it Jesus Christ? Are you going to live just as he lived? Are you going to speak just as he spoke? It's not easy. Sometimes it's hard. But it's not up to us alone. It is because he is with us. We come to the foot of the cross. We surrender and we submit to him. And then he does the great and wonderful work of renewing us, of transforming us, of changing us. And we just need to have the heart of a child that's looking to Jesus and saying, I want to be like him. I want to be like him. Lord, we come to you today and I, 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 looking around this room, I know it, I am not alone in this desire to be like you. And Lord, we, we, I pray that sometimes you would open our eyes to the times when we're not, uh, we don't even realize when we're apart from you or we're doing things contrary to what you would have us to do. So Lord, speak to us and guide us, open our eyes. But Lord, I pray that for each of us, as we go from here today, that as, as, we, as you do speak to us, as you convict us, as you bring us to this point of recognizing, I pray you'd be honored and glorified in how we submit to you. But Lord, I pray for you to do a great miracle in each of us. That the transformation that would happen in our lives, that you would f free us from the burdens that, are carry that we've been carrying for far too long. That you would... That you would take that old flesh and that you would renew us. That you would put on to us your goodness, your love. And Lord, that peace, that, that presence of, of your Holy Spirit, that we would feel that in ways that are far beyond just an idea. But that we would recognize every moment of every day of your presence. That we would worship you and that we would do everything to glorify your name. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.